Welcome to Pigskins and Pageantry, a podcast dedicated to all things SEC football. My name is Wes, and I'd like to invite you to join me, Jesse, and Matt each week as we discuss last week's games, news from around the league, make predictions for the upcoming games, and much, much more. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Wes, and welcome to another exciting episode of Pigskins and Pageantry. We are officially into the thick of the SEC schedule, and that means more excitement, joyous wins, and devastating losses. <laughs> Some more than others. Um, joining me, as always, our uh, resident Alabama fan, Jesse. What's going on? How are you? I am doing well after seeing the rankings that don't matter at this point in the season, but still make my day somehow. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling on top. <laughs> hey, I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm just as excited as you are. So, um, And our resident Tennessee Vol fan. What's going on, Matt? It's good to have you back on the show. What's going on? Yeah, I, uh, I've been on temporary assignment. I'm back now. And as you can see, I am in the middle of a tiger hunt so we'll see how things go you kind of like uh, nervous hunt. rough rough out i'm really the nervous <laughs> it, uh, it it probably will be yeah i hear you well uh, before we get to those games let's talk about the games from last weekend always remember if you ain't first you're last all right let's uh, start off with kentucky at old miss uh old miss winning this one uh 22 to 19 matt the only one to pick old miss in this one um so you know it was funny i was watching this one and this was the only sec game on at the beginning of the day so i was focused solely on this one and it was amazing to me just listening to them talk how lane kiffin has been able what he's been able to do in terms of just plugging holes in the roster with the transfer portal and i know we've talked about that a little bit especially on the first show updating people on the roster this season, but uh, 24 players from the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, perhaps the most important of which is Jackson Dart, who whose eye black, by the way, I discovered this week is inspired by Anakin Skywalker. If you notice, he's got the single streak of black uh, across the eye here. Said he's a, a huge Star Wars fan. So I was like, I was like, man, that's kind of cool. So, you know, kind of kind of a little bit of a fan now uh so uh he uh he showed some inconsistency overall though again um offense was good though uh obviously enough to get the win too many miscues by kentucky uh special teams mistakes fumbles um kentucky and we uh we were talking about last week uh, them getting chris rodriguez back from suspension um that was definitely um you know a shot in the arm for their offense uh, but not enough for the win. And like I said, there were some good moments, but ultimately they couldn't get out of their own way. Uh, credit to Ole Miss, though, did what they needed to do. Um, let's listen to uh, what uh, Coach Kiffin had to say about this win. Coach, you pride yourself in the defensive resurgence of this program. What was it like watching your defense at the end there win you this game? It was really cool to come to two stops like that and get the ball back. Awesome to see what did they do well against quarterback Will Levis today? Well, they rushed him. You know, they were motivated all week by their offensive coordinator saying, bring the blitz and we'll light you up. So there you go. You just beat a top 10 Kentucky team. What did you learn about this group today? Uh, we got to get a lot better. You know, we could have finished the game earlier, uh, you know, screwed around and didn't play well enough on offense in the second half. So we have a lot of work to do with a lot of really good teams coming to play. So we kind of got out of here with this one, which was good. It was good to have some people in the stands and 
What are we, 5-0? and oh? All right. That sounds pretty good. You called out your fans this week. They showed up. They listened to you, Coach. They, they did. Better than our four-minute offense, so glad they were here. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. Congrats. Oh, man, that's uh, Lane's always a fun inter- interview. Um, I really just want to make sure that uh, Will Levis's middle finger on his left hand is okay. Uh, Anthony Munoz <laughs> finger. Yeah, Jesse, did you? Uh, what did you think about this game? This one was wild. I had to catch this one in um, in clips and in highlights afterwards. I I literally came into the house. It must have been the last few minutes of the game. So all of a sudden, I I walk in and I hear my dad going. Oh my God, he just lost them the game. Get in here. And I just like ran in there and I'm like, oh my goodness, Will Levis didn't let everybody get set. This is mm. bad. Yes, and that one was rough. Yeah, it was it was wild. I think, I think a couple of things. Kentucky had some mistakes. Obviously, they failed on two extra points, one wide left, uh, 39-yard field goal attempt at the first half, and um, an illegal motion penalty that really wiped out their chances of a potential game winning TD pass um, in that final minute. And that was the difference in a really close game. And the win snapped an eight game winning streak that spanned two seasons. So that sucks. Uh, Coach Stoops said, obviously it's a very difficult loss. It's just heartbreaking for our players. And I would have to agree. I did not see that one coming. I thought Kentucky would be able to put this one away. I think mental errors uh, were an issue. And obviously we heard it in Kiffin's interview. Don't, uh, don't tout your offense about rushing if, if you can't back it up, but good on Ole Miss, as you mentioned, plugging in holes with the transfer portal. We talked about it before coach Kiffin is certainly the coach that you want to play for. If you're in the transfer portal, you're hoping he's going to pick you up because he's definitely going to put you in the lineup. Uh, he's also somebody that is, is very big on NIL doesn't care. His players seem to really love him. He's a great offensive mind and he, he plays it cool. I mean, you got to give him that. He, he truly plays it cool. I was a little bit nervous for them after their September schedule seemed to be a little softer than, you know, what I anticipated, but right now Ole Miss is 16 and three over two seasons. And if you think about it, they might be the best SEC team outside of Alabama and Georgia, which is wild. They're five and zero uh, for the first time since like I don't even I don't even know. But maybe you said he was playing it cool, Jesse, and uh, he he knew that they were five and zero when he said that. He was just trying to play. Oh, what are we five and zero now? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I I just I think, and I hate my, I hate to say this, but I think if I was a player. I probably like Lane Kiffin. Yeah, he's a player's coach, no doubt, one hundred percent. What do we say? They're fraternity bros. They're <laughs> they are. They're bros. He's the president of the frat. I'm <sighs> exactly. Matt, Matt, what did you think about this game? Uh, this was a great game. I saw the tail end of this one. I saw the finish. Um, you know, my heart goes out to Will Levis. There's nothing more painful for a quarterback than you dropping back to pass and somebody paws it out of your hand and you end up putting it on the turf, especially when you lose those. Um, that's pretty rough. Um, overall, it was a really entertaining game. I was, I, I picked Ole Miss in this. Um, that was wishful thinking, but I'm glad I did. Um, Kiffin keeps them rolling. Um, it sometimes makes me wonder what would have been if Kiffin had stayed at Tennessee instead of going off back off to USC. Um, 
because but maybe he needed to mature a little bit. I digress. Um, one of the names that pops out here is Jinshon Judkins for uh, Ole Miss. He had 106 on the ground at a, at a long of 48 yards. Um, I looked at his stats for for the rest of the season so far, and he's been upwards of 80, 90, and 100 yards in each game they've played this season. So um, that's a name for that offense. It seems to be move, moving pretty well. And by the way, how great of a football name is Jackson Dart, like for a quarterback? Oh, yeah. that It's almost like you made that character. Um, but, you know, <laughs> this is a big win for Ole Miss, I think. Um, it's going to be one of those things where they're going to have to build on it. And I think they've got a matchup coming with Bama here. Uh, fairly soon, I think, don't they? In the next two, three weeks, I think. Sue. I was going to say yeah, they're so showing it's the gonna next, be... what, five games for Bama. Actually, the next four or five are going to be somewhat difficult. Let's see. Yeah. yeah. Um, we play them, I reckon, in November. I have a calendar up here. Oh, that late? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, that's. Uh... By the way, what happened What happened to Cavassier Smoke? Um, I, I mean, I, I get. He's got an injury. C Rod came back, but I think oh, he's got he? an injury. Okay. Yeah, I think I saw that. And so, by I way, just saw two carries for are... six yards and was confused. Yeah, he, he was limited certainly in the game because of that, I believe. Um, yeah, I was was uh, definitely I, I was conflicted on this one. I, I kind of wanted Kentucky to win, but I mean, at the end of the day, I kind of view both of these teams the same. So, um, matched, and it's the first time that. Ole Miss is five and zero since 2014. Yeah, they just right. uh, they just keep getting better under Ole. Who's Lane. the head coach then? 2014. Who's, who's the head coach? 2014. Was, oh, uh, that, that, been, that freeze fella? That would have been that freeze fella. <laughs> Good old. Hugh. Where's whatever happened to him? <laughs> is, uh, is he he's still at Liberty, right? Or did he move on from there? Yeah, I think so. No, yeah. I think he's still at Liberty. And you want to know who was the who was our offensive coordinator then? Was it then? He was the uh, lane. Was he was the, when I was there. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Man, gosh, how time flies. <laughs> nice. It's been that long since Lane was a was a Lane was he might coordinator have come in 50, but um, let's see when was Lane. I, he was there when I was there because I saw him. Um, yeah, fourteen <laughs> to sixteen. Nice. Yikes. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty wild. All right, speaking of Bama, let's move on to Bama at Arkansas. And uh, Bama won this one 49 to 26. And I paused there because, you know, there was a, a portion of this game where you felt like things could really have gone awry. And then it just, you know, turned back on itself once again. Uh, Matt got the point in this one as well. Uh, Jesse, I'm going to let you go first before I even say anything, because I feel like you probably have a lot of feelings on this. I, I, you know, I did. You watched the game. <laughs> I, I know I was there. <laughs> <laughs> it was. That's true. This is one of those games where the score is not entirely reflective of how the game went. Obviously, we got in a rhythm really quickly in the beginning of the game with Bryce Young still at the helm. For those that didn't watch it, Bryce goes out with a shoulder injury, which we were all very nervous about. Jalen Milrow comes in. Jalen Milrow is a different style quarterback, I would say. To me, he's a little reminiscent of Jalen Hurts, his ability to run the ball very well. He's very quick. He can throw too, don't get me wrong, but it is definitely different. Um, he's a younger guy, he's a redshirt freshman. So we bring in Milrow. And 
we make a lot of mental errors. We have errors on special teams. Um, we are idiots on an onside kick by <laughs> Arkansas. We have, you know, bad snaps. It was, it was a lot of mental mistakes. I feel like, and people probably playing with nerves, knowing that there's somebody else um, in the quarterback position, but we did start to settle in Jameer Gibbs. Oh my word, sir, sir. For those that didn't watch it, this man saved the day and ran the ball down that field. Like, I don't even like someone was hurting his mama at the, in the end zone. I mean, it was wild, but, um, did I see where he was clocked faster than any, any NFL player? Shamir Gibbs recorded a faster speed against Arkansas than any NFL player has this season. This season. Yeah. Um, he had 18 carries, 106 rushing yards for 11.4 average, two rushing touchdowns and a maximum run speed of 22.8 miles per hour. Which brings a whole new fun dynamic in the game. I just see some guy over there on the sidelines with a radar gun going. <laughs> it's wild. I mean, we were nervous. We're like, you know, he's coming from an ACC school. I know he was a really good running back there, but like, what does that mean in the SEC? It means he's really good. Turns out excellent. Uh, Nick Saban has never lost to Arkansas in his 16 years at Alabama. And we opened with a 20 to zero lead in the second quarter behind two touchdown series from Bryce Young. And then another two from his replacement, Jalen Milrow. After that, like I said, we had some errors. We started to sputter a little bit. Arkansas definitely capitalized on that. But Milrow finished um, four of nine passing for 65 yards and a touchdown. And um, our, our offense had minus one yard in the third quarter, which is not great. Then we saw um, our 20 point or 28 point lead kind of evaporate. Then we entered the fourth quarter, did a lot better. In the words of Nick Saban, we didn't maintain our intensity. We let them get back in the game at one point. The kicking game errors, the onside kick, the bad snap on the punt, those were really our errors. So it was it was hard to watch at one point. And then we started to relax a little bit. It was very tense in the house for a good while. The decibels. That's putting it mildly. Like I feel like this is like a like people just don't understand. Like they listen to the show and they hear us talk about that, and they it's I, there's no way to really at some describe point describe that. You just record on your phone the noise, <laughs> like no video, just just noise. Yeah, just the noise. And then just play a clip. Everyone will have to take out their earbuds because it is deafening there are um pitches on the scale that will blow your eardrums for sure um matt what were your thoughts on uh on this game yeah i was anticipating bama's uh offense not to put up that many points i mean i think i saw the total score was 500 or sorry total yards was 555 yards which against uh arkansas's defense i thought was quite a few um I was I was really kind of shocked at how how effectively Bama was able to roll the ball, uh, and and you know, Jameer Gibbs, like Jesse said, rolling downhill, um, like somebody insulted his mama, and he was going to get over two hundred yards. Anytime a running back gets over two hundred yards, you kind of have to stand up and take a look at it. So, um, the other thing that kind of jumped out at me is KJ Jefferson. He went thirteen for twenty four for one hundred fifty five yards and a touchdown. Not a great day. Um, I was anticipating him to be a little bit more of a playmaker. 
Um, he had 38 yards on the ground, but still was expecting him to be a little bit more out there. But, you know, that Bama defense was able to hold him down. Um, so, yeah, just another case of Bama doing Bama things. Um, we'll just have to wait and see if they can keep up that intensity as they go forward. Yeah, I thought um, Jalen Milroy did great when called upon. Obviously, um, you don't want to see Bryce go down. And anytime that happens, I mean, you can't say that a guy who won the Heisman, that him leaving the game is not going to affect the team. Of course it is. Uh, but I thought mm-hmm. Milroy did great uh, when called upon. Obviously, as you said, Jesse, he's more of a running threat. Um, so you have to account for that as well. I don't know that Arkansas was – I was going to say, I don't know that Arkansas hey, was prepared for He comes for off that. the bench and gets 91 yards in a tutty. I think he did pretty well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and then uh, it, it still um, baffles me. How did Jameer Gibbs end up at Georgia Tech? How did Jeff Collins uh, woo him to Georgia Tech? How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> Didn't we last, were talking obviously. about it on Saturday. I was like, maybe he just really had this aspiration of being an engineer. Yeah. And they were like, maybe he really oh, liked he play football too. And he was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, I'll play football. And then they were like, you should really kind of kick that engineering dream to the side right you need to play you need to play football for us i don't know anyway yeah so it's kind of funny about this game where you we mentioned the mistakes but really other than some of those uh self-inflicted wounds bama really dominated the game if it wasn't for those um i mean obviously it was kind of a a little bit of a blowout anyway um uh, eventually so uh interesting as you uh as you said three scores in the fourth quarter i think that's an indication that they're gonna they're gonna keep going yeah, I mean, twenty-one points in the fourth quarter is pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. No doubt. So, um, Bryce yeah. Young is also day to day. Yes, point. he is. He is. So, um, we'll see more to follow on that. We'll see how his condition progresses. Um, glad to hear. was mortified. By the way, I don't know if y'all saw all the all the Gary Danielson hate on Twitter this past week. No, they I missed are that. Hot trot. They're, oh, the the Gary Danielson Bama love fest is. I, I heard that he was under weekend. backlash, but I thought it was for, you know, he says for things that are anything else. I was going to say he he says things right. that are uh, off the wall uh, all the time. So that's not really that unusual. What was it that he said? He did say one comment that I actually thought was funny, which I've never thought anything Gary said was funny before. But he was he said something where it was like an aggressive show of strength or something like that. Um, oh, that was actually inter- Brad. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course it would be because as I say, given between the two, Gary's not going to, you know, I know. So, but like, I'm so yeah, mind. but you know, no, you, I was you like and Vern. everybody hated Vern, but I, I liked Vern. No, Vern had no, no I loved Vern. I thought playing. Vern was great to listen to. The only thing that I can That's say fine. about, at least go- I didn't hate his guts. Like I do that horse's ass. Gary Danielson. The only thing that no. I can say about Vern is he no. he had the familiar voice that when he spoke, you knew what was going on. Is one of those deals? I don't know, but uh, I I just wasn't a fan. I just other than that, I wasn't really a fan. But uh, anyway, all right, let's move on to uh, a big surprise to me: uh, Texas A and M at Mississippi State. Mississippi State just annihilating them, forty-two to twenty-four. Uh, Jesse getting the point in this one. Uh, you know, it was kind of funny because it was watching the game and there wasn't a, a ton of scoring in the first half, no scoring at all in the first quarter. Uh, and then state was up 14 to nothing at half. 
Uh, then they blocked a field goal, returned it 50 yards for a touchdown. That was huge. And then uh, Will Rogers and company just exploded, um, aided by a pick six by Emmanuel Forbes as well. So uh, utter domination of Jimbo Fisher's squad uh, down there uh, in Starkville. So uh, I, I mean, I was not expecting that, but wow, just what a, what an incredible game. Let's, let's hear what Mike Leach had to say about it. Coach, how is your team able to play such complimentary football tonight? Well, we've been working on it a long time, and I thought we did uh, in a lot of phases. I thought we did a good job uh, uh, defense picking up the offense, offense picking up the defense, you know, after sudden changes. I thought that was good, but biggest thing, we played real hard. We played real hard and did a good job moving on to the next play. What did you see that was allowing you guys to run the football so effectively today? Well, we blocked it up and ran hard mainly but they're kind of in between sometimes trying to trying to cover the pass and trying to come forward for the run you know and then i thought our old line did a good job i thought dylan ran for some really tough yards so the interview is cut short there because there's there's more to it there's a second part that we'll listen to later but uh yes i I love when he does like the little he like he's like he's trying to get his thoughts going and he'll say something then he just pauses and does a little but uh like an old model teach trying to crack up (laughs) yeah and he there's also just a tone to his voice that reminds you of just like an elderly grandfather where you're talking and he's like ah (laughs) what what hey what did you say uh matt what were your thoughts on this game um i just want to point out for the record that i was shocked by this score um i did not we need to talk, take a minute to talk about how preseason hype means absolutely squat <laughs> and how jimbo fisher and the aggies were completely overblown at the beginning of the season i am not sure what's going on in aggie land um but holy cow uh mississippi state's shown some improvement don't get me wrong but you know, beating A and M like that, I just mm, that's 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 a bad look, bad look for old Jimbo. I know Jesse's probably licking her chops, waiting for the axe to fall on Jimbo Fisher. But man, I just that's that's rough. That's really rough. I also want to point out something. I was looking at the stat sheet on this, and um, uh, oh, I lost it. Where'd it go? Oh, here it is. Mississippi State had 13 penalties in this game for 138 yards. And they still beat Texas A&M by like 18. So not a, not a good look there, Jimbo. It might be it might be time to start throwing out Christmas trees again. <laughs> Jesse, I know you if were... They, uh, if they can afford the buyout. <laughs> right. Jesse, I know you were excited, but were you surprised at this? I was surprised at the amount that they beat them. I thought that these two teams would have been closer as far as the level of competition goes. And the first quarter made it seem like they really were, you you know, you're looking and there's, there's just like no score. Turns out they're not. Uh, The Bulldogs were very efficient offensively with 473 yards, 329 of those from Rogers on 31 of 45 uh, passes with three touchdowns. Uh, Rara Thomas had five catches for 134 yards um, and a score. And State also rushed for 144 yards. That's a ton of offense, Um, especially against a team that was touted so much at the beginning of the season. 
Uh, Johnson was 18 of 25 passing for 201 yards and a touchdown before leaving in the fourth quarter with the hand injury. Uh, State sacked Johnson four times and posted six tackles for a loss led by one and a half sacks by their backup linebacker, J.P. Purvis. Uh, they forced AM into four turnovers, including three inside the red zone and took advantage of that. You can't have four tur- turnovers, certainly not in the red zone. Seems like sloppy football. Not really sure what's happening in, in Aggieland either, knowing that they're coming off of, you know, such a, a high ranking recruiting class. Again, it goes back to what are, what's the coaching staff doing? Because I'm, I just don't know. And let's not forget that the, the bulk of that recruiting class uh, was uh, defensive players, or at least some of the bigger names were defensive Uh, and the defense just giving up a ton of yards here. I mean, I know one thing that Mississippi state has been trying to improve upon all year is uh, more explosive plays. Yeah. They're able to, you know, dink and dunk and get little yards here and there, but they've really been trying to get those big explosive plays and they had, you know, multiple of those uh, this game. So um Obviously, they found something that was working, and uh, AM was unable to adjust to it. So uh, I, I like the rest of you. Um, you know, I was excited to see uh, State do well, but I was completely floored by how it happened. Um, if you think about it too, and this this just hit my noggin, thinking about Jimbo Fisher and his tenure at other universities as well. It's like he hits the scene. Everyone's super stoked about it. They're like quarterback whisper. This is the guy we're going to pay a lot of money, all of this. And I'm well aware of that FSU went to a national championship. I understand that, but it seems like there was such a, a peak and then it just started to slowly go downhill. And it's almost like we're seeing it's that. called a regression. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's this flash in the pan and then it just simmers out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse, does this change anything? Do you think uh, about the matchup next week with Bama with A&M just, huh? Absolutely not. No, I, because this is what we thought going into Kyle field last year, we thought they were not going to be great. Um, we were like, this is going to be fine. No worries. I don't ever want us to go into any game thinking no worries. Cause that's when mental mistakes happen. That's when you start to beat yourself. I am very happy it's at Bryant-Denny Stadium this year and not at Kyle Field, but I don't think in this day and age, in this competition that, you know, we play in every week that you can count anybody out. I think it does, um, it does encourage you that maybe with a backup quarterback in that will be okay, but still it's, it's one of those things that I would never just count them out because of this. We don't have the same offense that Mississippi State does. True. Um, I think it might make a big difference to CBS, though. I think when they booked this 8 o'clock on, on CBS spot, uh, they were really hoping that both teams would be firing all, on all cylinders and that that uh, offseason feud uh, would play into it a little bit, too. Suddenly, a little bit less charged, but, you know, like you I said. I swear you- to high heaven, if Jimbo Fisher – is the offensive coordinator at Alabama next year. I am going to lose my (laughs) mind. The amount Uh, of unwell I will be. I can't, I can't even, I can't talk about it. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you're a long way from there right now, but yeah. (laughs) 
I, I do want to point out that according to ESPN, Texas A&M is 102nd in passing yards for uh, for the season and 97th in rushing yards for the season. Yeah, that offense pretty is rough. not not pretty. Not gonna lie to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, from not, one not a good look. From one form of not pretty to another, let's talk about LSU at Auburn. Uh, LSU winning this one 21 to 17. Uh, look, I actually apologize. Uh, we said the same score. <laughs> I, somehow, I, somehow I missed that. Um, I, don't, I, I didn't realize it either. <laughs> I didn't realize because I, I went last. I, if I would have realized, I would have changed it because that's no fun. Anyway, we got the same. We got the we both got the point because we did the same score. Anyway, um, now it seems uh, it seems like the hallmark of this Brian Harson program among other things, is the inability to hold on to a lead. And we saw this the last, what was it, I think five games to close out the regular season last year where they had a lead uh, and, you know, they blew those leads. Uh, They were up on LSU 17 to nothing in this game in the second quarter, and they never scored again. Uh, LSU's first touchdown was on a scoop and score, and somehow uh, they managed to win the game despite only five passing yards in the second half. So, um I don't know how I would describe that win, but uh, let's listen to how Brian Kelly would describe it. You were down 17 to nothing, and you come roaring back in stunning fashion. What'd you learn tonight? Well, um, we're, we're, we got great. I mean, you know, to, to go on the road and, and not play your best, but to find a way to, to win uh, against, you know, Auburn at Auburn, it's a tough place to play. Uh, you know, the SEC is hard, you know, and, and each and every week when you win, you appreciate winning. Winning's hard to win, you know, in the SEC. And um, our guys just kept playing and made some plays, made the big play here at the end with the interception. And um, it wasn't perfect. But sometimes, you know, uh, you learn a lot about just grit and determination. And then we got a lot of coaching to do and, and uh, we got a lot of room for improvement. Congratulations. Enjoy. Appreciate it. Um, I have an extra reason to agree that winning in the SEC is hard. But before we get there, Jesse, what were your thoughts on this game? Woof. Woof. I I mean, the only thing I can think of when I watch Auburn now is just like, at what point does Harson get fired? I'm just trying to see what that's going to be. But it's like you said, they had this, this lag last year where they had so many points And then it was just over. All these leads were gone Uh, last week. Luckily, they were kind of bailed out by Missouri's goal line fumble. But there was no bailout this time. There was nothing. They actually had to play ball and they they didn't. Um, You know, LSU came up with that really big last play. Brooks ripped the ball away from an LSU transfer and Coy Moore uh, after a catch with with two minutes and 18 seconds left in uh, Auburn's failure to capitalize on making it past midfield. But he said in a, in a post-game interview, they ran that play like six times. So I knew it was coming. That's not good. That doesn't help. Uh, Daniels only passed for 80 yards. Um, after he came in, he was the backup quarterback uh, or no, not Daniels. Sorry. Yeah. Daniels passed for 80 yards also ran for 59 and one yard touchdown with 15 seconds left before halftime. It just seemed like, nothing could really get going for Auburn after they had that lead. And I don't know why that is. I don't know what's happening from a coaching perspective to me, if they're running a play like six times, 
what is the offensive coordinator calling? That doesn't seem like a very effective play calling strategy if if you're losing your your lead. But I don't know. I'm I'm just waiting to see what happens with Brian Harson. Again, LSU still has a lot to work on on their side as well. Brian Kelly said it. They were gritty, but they just happened to make the right play at the right time because their performance was also not stellar. Uh, Jesse, I'm glad you brought up numbers because Matt, let's, let's take a look at a few more here. So you're talking about Daniels, Jaden Daniels passed for, uh, LSU for 80 yards. That's, that's total 80 yards. That wasn't like a quarter or a half. That's the game. Um, LSU's leading rusher Williams had 68 yards. Um, Emory junior LSU's leading receiver with 39 yards. LSU's total yards are 270 to Auburn's 438. But the big stat there, Auburn four turnovers, LSU one. Matt, what do you what do you make of this? Oh, you're on mute there, buddy. I think I see your, your lips moving. Just stupid thing. It's there you being go. dumb tonight. You're back. I don't know why it muted. Uh I, I'm not sure what's happening in Auburn. Um, this I don't see how in the world you get um oh, hold on a minute i got it right in front of me i lost it uh come on computer 438 yards in a game when you you and still lose the game um and another thing that kind of pops off the page at me is where in the world is tank bigsby because tank was lights out through most of last season he was a hawk mm-hmm. that was a, that was a cornerstone of the auburn offense last year and this season he hasn't done much like listen to the stat line 45 yards against LSU total rushing, 44 yards against Missouri, 39 yards against Penn State, 51 yards against San Jose State. Like, are they not calling his number? Are they not opening? Like, is the offensive line taking games off? I'm not sure what's going on with Auburn, but it's um, it's it's a what situation where it's very confusing. He is a junior, so he's got another year. I wonder if he transfers. I mean, I'm not sure what happened. Because I seem Lane to remember Kiffin saying his name. Him. I bet Lane Kiffin would take him in a heartbeat. We, I seem to remember last year we we talked. I mean, he was over a thousand yards last year. He, he had yeah, yeah. He had uh, he was averaging four point nine on the ground. He had um, I don't see the other stat, but yeah, I, he had a good year last year. He was expected I, to be their workhorse this year. Yeah, and nothing's happened. I don't know if they changed up what they were planning on doing offense or what, yeah. but man. Auburn has to get something fixed. Do you I want mean, to know another cool number stat here for this game? And if you're an Auburn fan, it's not cool at all. But uh, Auburn has scored just six second half points in the last three games. And that's wild. You talk about just the the amount of yards that they had in this game. Uh, Robbie Ashford, I mean, for all intents and purposes, had a decent game. 337 yards, two touchdowns. He did have the pick. But, I mean, still – I mean, it's just wild. I, I am baffled about Bigsby as well. I mean, if you do the average there, he's what, a little bit less than, it's around four yards a carry. Am I, I think I'm averaging that right. But yeah, I mean, like that's that's insane. I mean, from from a guy that we've seen be prolific in, in past years, um, it kind of makes me think that they're just not getting the push for the offensive line that he needs. Because um, I'm sure he didn't drop off that much in a single year. So uh, I don't know. It's uh, gosh, I mean, now 
Uh, I say that uh, the dogs have Auburn next week. And so <laughs> who knows? I mean, it's the deepest, it's deep well, South's oldest well, rivalry. So any, all bets are off. So we'll, we'll see, but. Uh, watch, we'll, watch tank for run, run for 333 and shut us all up. <laughs> for real. Um, all right. Well, speaking of which, let's talk about Georgia at Mizzou, um, Georgia uh, squeaking this one out 26 to 22. And you guys can admit it. I know you were both hoping that Mizzou was going to pull it off. It's fine. absolutely uh, 100%. We're all about honesty here on the show. So um, uh, I got the point in this one. Um, you know, just because we all picked blowouts. I think somehow I picked the smallest one. But uh, anyway, like I said, this is overall an embarrassing effort in most aspects, really. Um, offense out of sync. I mean, you could see receivers and Bennett just not on the same page. Uh, offensive line unable to create those running lanes for the for the backs. Uh, defense getting pushed around by Mizzou. And, like, we've been, like, you know, openly mocking Mizzou on the show because <laughs> they've been pretty pathetic for uh, for most of the year in, in most aspects of play. But I mean, you, you got the national champions in the house that are num- ranked number one. Of course, Jesse, you know this being a Bama fan. It's especially recently. I mean, when that's the case, you know, teams are gunning for you. They're going to bring their best game that they've got. Um, and honestly, they pushed us around on both sides of the line of scrimmage, offense and defense. Um, I I don't particularly know what lulled the dogs to sleep, uh, but they were able to kind of wake up a little bit near the end of the first half. Uh, kudos to, and I can't remember uh, who it was now, but the defensive back who uh, who uh, ran down. They, Mizzou broke a, a run, and they were going. They were definitely. I was like, they're in the end zone to score a touchdown, but they didn't give up. Defense didn't give up. Chased him down, tackled him on the one yard line. Mizzou had uh, like a false start and a couple other mistakes had to settle for a field goal. And that near the end of the first half was one of the big momentum turners, I think in the game. Um, So uh, I mean, yeah, the dogs steadily gained momentum, uh, continued to gain momentum in the second half, finally took the lead and held on. And what is the, one of the only times that I think I can recall calling Mizzou's home stadium, a hostile environment. And it was loud in there. You could tell, I mean, they were, they were stoked. Um, and it, it's kind of one of those funny things, like as a fan, I'm watching the game and I'm thinking the whole time, oh, yeah, we're going to kick it into gear, right? And then more times pass. And they're like, well, we're going to kick it into gear. Well, the dogs are going to win, right? We're, they're going to figure stuff out eventually. And the game just kept ticking along and it didn't happen. And we're like, what in the world? Um, yeah. As well, I mean, Bennett, I mean, he had people were kind of criticizing him a little bit. I mean, he still had 312 yards. Um, he had that, I guess we, I guess you could call it a fumble, but it was really on the exchange with a running back or whatever you could, you could fault him for that, I guess, but still a uh, pretty big, pretty big game from him. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a rough, it's a rough win, a struggle win. It's funny. Main would say, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, you know, it is a win. And the reason I don't have a Kirby clip is because if you listen to Brian Kelly, it's basically the same thing. Uh, a winning in the sec is hard <laughs> is what Kirby said. So, uh, you know, Matt, what, uh, what were your thoughts? We'll start with you. Uh, Georgia was favored by 31 when the uh, yeah. bet stopped being take, to, uh, taken on this game. I'm not sure what happened. Um, this, I think you're probably right, Wes. This is probably an example of Missouri put everything they could in the basket and they just brought their A game and the dogs got kind of caught in the lurch so to speak. And, and this is a situation where, you know, good teams are going to have down games. 
Um, the thing is, is that good teams, when they run into those down games, find ways to win. And that's exactly what UGA ended up doing here. Um, you know, they put up two scores in the fourth quarter that let them get ahead. Defense stonewalled them for only six points in the second half for Missouri. Um, so they they made their adjustments at the half, as Georgia is wont to do. Um, that seems to be a, a hallmark for them uh, as of late. You know, they'll, they'll see how things go at halftime. And so they found a way to pull this one off. Um, if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm not too worried. Um, maybe slightly concerned, but not like too worried. Because, uh, again, remember, that's an offense that's been moving pretty well. Uh, just a aberration game is probably what this was. It's the rat poison. I don't know. What do you think, Jesse? I was so happy to be in a bar in Georgia observing the emotion. <laughs> so happy. I can only imagine. Um, my friend, yeah, my friend that I was with, who is also a Georgia fan, just I wasn't saying anything. I was just laughing. I was like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> I was like, sorry. But also probably best I did shut up because I was surrounded by Georgia fans and um, I would have no backup. This one was was interesting. And I think it, I think the closeness can be attributed to one factor. And I think a Georgia win is attributed to another. So the closeness, I think, is it's sloppy play coming out after all of this hype around them and all of the bad news coming out of Mizzou. I mean, you're like, it's Mizzou. It's fine. We're really good. You go in, you go in overconfident. And it's like you said, Wes, these teams want to beat the national champion, the reigning national champion. They're expected to lose. So what they're going to leave it all out there. They're going in super hyped. Natty champs coming in sort of lackadaisical and it's, it becomes a perfect storm for an upset. And again, you had the same sort of thing happen the week before in a very uncharacteristically sloppy play with the 39 to 22 win against Kent state, which again, that score does not tell you the full story of that game. It's, it's the same sort of thing. I think you were seeing the Bulldogs the same way going in, not expecting much out of their opponent and their opponent going for blood. They, the Tigers were really successful in rushing Bennett in the first half. Um, and you know, the Bulldogs failed to score on their first five possessions. That hasn't happened. That's wild. Uh, they had a stretch where there were a pair of fumbles that gave Missouri good field position. Uh, Georgia was pretty ineffective when it came to running the football in the first half. So a lot of coming out really flat on Georgia's end, I think gets us a close score. What gets us a Georgia win is what I think is the opposite. I think Missouri failed to capitalize on some really advantageous moments that could have turned this game around. You mentioned one when, um, you know, they, they go, they get two Georgia turnovers and they only get three points out of that. Had they gotten a touchdown, we're in a very different ball game at this point. And I think that's going to haunt the Tigers. Another instance is failing to capitalize um, on an opportunity when they settled for a field goal after that really long 63 yard run from Cody Schrader that set them up, um, you know, with first and goal at the one yard line in their last possession of the first half. That's going to haunt you. You got to capitalize on that. You're right there. You don't settle for a field goal. You got to push it in, run it under center, do something. Um, false start penalty move Mizzou backwards, gave Georgia defense 
a lot of life that they needed resulting in a 22 yard field goal. So overall, I think had they capitalized on those opportunities, I think we're looking at a Mizzou win and, and it it's detrimental um, to the mentality of Georgia, but Mizzou did Mizzou things. They didn't capitalize on opportunities um, and Georgia's going to have to really clean up their act and, and take their opponent seriously. We just talked about how trash Auburn is, but they cannot think that way going yeah. into a rivalry game. It kind of feels like the same energy going in, right? Oh, this team's right. trash. Oh, wait a minute. We got to actually show up and play. <laughs> Absolutely. By the way, there's nothing more um, annoying than a uh, confident-looking Eli Drinkwitz. He's over there on the sidelines. I still hands, wanted to punch him in the with, face. I wanted his, Mizzou to win, and I wanted to punch him in the face. With his hands on his hips, and he's doing that thing where, you know, I don't think he actually has gum in his mouth, but he's just going, trying to look cool, like that or whatever. And I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> dude, by the way, um, uh, Dirty Play took out Jalen Carter in this game. Uh, looks like an MCL. Uh, look, it, it was bang, bang. They still went low on him. I don't know how intentional it was. I'm not going to assume things, but still, we're trying to get stuff like that out of the game. Um, and a, a low block took him out. He tried to come back, but he couldn't. So uh, we'll see how long he's out. Hopefully not too long, but um, it looks like uh, it may be better. Um, MCL, I guess, is better than ACL. So hopefully we'll, we'll see how that goes. And I think it was just a, a, a sprain, but we'll see. Um, trying to remember if there's anything else. I think that's mainly it. So, uh, let's talk about, uh, some of these blowouts real quick, or at least just mention the scores. South Carolina state, which was Thursday, by the way, due to the hurricane, uh, thoughts and prayers are with all those affected by it. Uh, if you can, if you're in the position where you can donate, uh, please do. There's a lots, uh, lots that you can give to, I know Red Cross is one of them, uh, but there's a lot of people in need right now, uh, down there. Anyway, so, uh, that is why this game was moved because of that. Uh, but South Carolina State at South Carolina, South Carolina blowing them out 50 to 10. I got the point in this one. Uh, and then Eastern Washington at Florida. This also another game moved uh, because of uh, the hurricane moved to Sunday afternoon, actually. Uh, Florida uh, winning this one 52 to 17. Uh, Matt and I actually had the same differential, but you do the math. Matt gets the point. Um, so congrats, Matt. So um, do you guys want to talk about any of that before we move on? Yeah, I want to know why in the world we were talking about Spencer Rattler for Heisman. When, why, why? He threw two picks to South Carolina I, State. I believe his QBR is actually the lowest in the league right now. I think he's 14 it. out of 14. I'll believe it. Yeah. Although Oklahoma hasn't looked very good since he left. Just saying. Well, that's true. I was going to say. They just <laughs> lost to uh, – who did they lose to this past weekend? They lost to, to Kansas was, State. I think they uh, got dumped by Kansas State. Yeah. Um, gosh, who was it? Somebody else lost to TCU. Was it them or was it somebody? Else? I don't know. Some... Maybe maybe it was Oklahoma. I don't, I don't know. It was bad, though. I did see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So neither side of that equation really having a, a lot of fun nope. right, right now. Nope. nope. Um, all right. So current pick standings. I got 24. Oh, Matt's got to talk about Florida. Oh, yes. Let's, do you want to talk about them? I don't want to talk about them. I just think we should mention that their game got moved to a Sunday game uh, yes, because of the hurricane, like you mentioned. Um, did you say the score? And I just completely lost. I did. I, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, Matt and I had the same differential. We had to do the math oh. on that one to get the point. So oh, um, well, never mind. Okay. I just wasn't. <laughs> I didn't have my listening ears on. No, you're good. Um, current pickup standings. I got 24. Matt has 18 and Jesse has 11. Long ways to go yet. So. I'm catching pick. up. I'm in double digits. 
I was going to say you uh, you have been making gaining some ground there. So um, let's talk about a, a little bit of news that's out there. Here's the news. <laughs> All right, so a uh, new AP poll, uh, the, the latest in the meaningless poll that's out. Uh, number one, Bama. Let's just pause for the rat poison leaving Athens. Maybe. <laughs> because... The rat poison's still there. You guys are in the top three. You still yeah. got rat poison. Like I, okay. reigning national champions, let's, the rat poison remains. Let's get, th- let's get through these, and I will say why I would. Yeah, anyway, so number two, Georgia. Number three, Ohio State. Number four, Michigan. Number five, Clemson. Number six, USC. Number seven, Oklahoma State. Eight, Tennessee. Uh, number nine, Ole Miss. Number 10, Penn State. And then SEC teams rounding out the top 25. Number 13, Kentucky. Number 23, Mississippi State. And then number 25, LSU. Look at LSU getting back in the top 25. So do you guys have any thoughts on that? I know we we just started to, but. Uh, Clemson people. I don't yeah. care. I literally, I, I just I argued. I just had an argument about this right before we got on air. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um, because I was like, why why are you here? They were like, We're the only team that's beaten two top ranked opponents. I'm like, who? Wake Forest and NC State. But like, no, <laughs> no, it's Wake Forest and NC State. And I understand they're ranked, but they're ranked because y'all don't play anybody else in your conference. So you have that. <sighs> it was a long argument. They did not concede to my logic. <laughs> I'm shocked. But I don't understand why Clemson is five. I don't understand why USC is six. It makes no sense to me. Uh, whatever. They got, agree. they got a tough schedule agree. out there, Jesse. They got some quality. I'm sorry. I can't no. even say that. With the, I can't no. even say it. <laughs> um, no, I, I would not have had a problem with Georgia being further down. As a matter of fact, I wish that they would have. In a poll that means nothing, I wish that they would have dropped to, to – number five for that matter um because i really think there needs to be a wake-up call um and that that kind of pathetic performance oh i i I guarantee they got a wake-up call that next day i i have a hard time imagining that kirby's gonna let them not have a wake-up call after that game was yeah he does not strike me as the type of that kind of thing slide sure and i i think obviously you know you can do drills and and all this stuff to kind of try to rattle them and 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 wake them up but i mean i you know, just mentally, they've all got to get there, um, you know, and realize that you do actually, in fact, have to show up and play the game and do your best, <laughs> even against Take a quote unquote trash seriously. opponent. Yeah, exactly. And Kent State and Mizzou, both. If that doesn't prove it, I don't know what it does. Um, and then, uh, well, you did mention Bryce Young's injury day to day. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, all right. By, well, by the way, before, yeah. we, before we press on from the uh, AP poll, um, it, it personally offends me that Tennessee is ranked behind Oklahoma state and USC. I'm just saying, I'm going to throw that out there. Um, so there's that. Understood. I'm, yeah, I'm no, upset. I, about that. I get that. Even if we didn't play this weekend, we, we should still be ranked out of those two. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into an opinion segment. That's uh, quite heated at the moment. So if I may venture an opinion, I'm not really interested in your opinion. Three, three, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, well, so uh, if you've looked at the uh, NFL at all lately, uh, you've seen uh, Tua and his uh, recent injury um, 
and just how that whole situation was handled. Um, and the opinion segment question is, will we see a trickle down effect on concussion protocol from the NFL to the uh, NCAA following the scandal uh, uh, around to a, and if we do what should be done to further protect players, uh, Jesse, I know that you're the one who kind of came up with this. So what are your, yeah. and so what are your I thoughts? actually kind of, I want to get y'all's thoughts first. Oh, sure. Um, this is something I've been just like heated about since Thursday. And mm-hmm. so I would love to get y'all's thoughts on this. Um, it's a developing story. So I know more is going to continue to come out and the investigation is ongoing, but would love to get y'all's take first. My first thought is that there has to be some kind of um, accountability uh, because, and, and that's the first off the bat, the only way that I can think to improve things because supposedly we had a system that was supposed to work. Uh, but when you can, you know, assuming that this is what happened and probably is what happened, someone was paid off to give a certain uh, medical uh, analysis on a particular injury. Um, and now that person's career is, you know, ruined now, thanks to the fact that they listened to that. Uh, they've been since fired and no one is going to go see them now. Um, so it's not all good <laughs> um, for them. But when something like that happens, it, it kind of opens your eyes. You're like, well, gosh, if these you know, supposed uh, medical professionals are giving bad advice, we have to have some kind of validation. I don't know how that would happen or what kind of entities we need to get involved, but there has to be some kind of accountability. And it's a shame because when you're dealing with, you know, somebody's health, especially brain injury type things, um, that's, that's huge and obviously affects uh, the rest of their life. This is not just a, an, an immediate type situation and, oh, my, my arm hurts, it'll get better. No, if you have a brain injury and it's not diagnosed properly, that's, that's life-changing. Um, so in my mind, the only way that this could be improved in both the NFL and NCAA is some kind of accountability. I don't really know what that looks like. If that means like a mandatory second opinion or some kind of way to validate a diagnosis, but it has to be done because you're playing with fire here. I don't know, Matt. I'm, when you look at the situation around Tua and you see what the initial impact was, from when he got that first concussion um, a couple weeks ago, and you saw just the way he reacted when he popped up off the turf, you knew that something was wrong. I mean, you could tell just from the way he was walking, he did not need to go back out there. And correct me if I'm wrong, he went back out there, did he not? Yeah, he played the whole second half. Right. Okay. That's problem number two. Not to mention the fact that, you know, less than a week later, in fact, I think only four days later, he's in another game and gets an even worse concussion when he gets spun to the ground. And you could tell the minute he hit the ground from the way his hands were. Oh, yeah. That something something had gone wrong. So, yeah, I agree with you, Wes. I think there needs to be some sort of accountability. Um, If there was a professional that was involved where there was a decision made to play the kid as opposed to what was in his best health and they were only worried about, you know, making sure he played, then somebody needs to lose their license as a doctor. Um, I'm sure that there's some board somewhere that'll handle that kind of, uh, they think there's, it's gotta be malfeasance of some kind. Um, just, just the fact that they, they trotted him out there after that, that first game, I was like, because we watched the game the other, we were watching the game um, when we were calling the house of the County league uh, County game the other day. And I remember thinking, I thought Tua had a concussion 
How is he back out there already? He just had a concussion on Sunday, and then they throw him right back out there, and then he gets hurt again. And and that's 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 not kosher. Um, as opposed to in regard to if it'll trickle down to college, college is so slow to take any sort of advanced steps towards anything. Now, granted, concussion protocols and the importance of mental health and all that over the last couple of, you know, about the last decade has really gotten a lot better. But I don't know, even if the NFL comes out with some sweeping, you have to have three doctors sign off on this concussion protocol thing. I don't know if the, if NCAA will sanction that or if the SEC will sanction that or what that will look like. I just have a hard time imagining that they'll even bother getting involved um, with that particular end for a while, at least. Yeah. yeah. Jesse, you now, now what do you think? Now all of my thoughts, um, lots of thoughts. So I think number one, what blows my mind about the Tua Tungvaluwa situation is that after Sunday's game, when he continued to play a second half after showing a very clear neurological response, a very physical neurological response with not being able to properly walk off the field on his own. Um, yes, he said that it was, it was a back issue, but did you know that he was not under con- concussion protocol the week leading into the Cincinnati game at all? Seriously at all? Nothing. He was not under concussion protocol. Somebody, is, so I can't, I don't understand that. That makes no sense. No, that's, that's negligence. It's just pure negligence. Um, and for him to go into that game um, and if you look at that hit, it's a clean hit. It's not a targeting hit. It's it's nothing like that. When right. he went out in Cincinnati, his head bounced against the you know the grass, and then his hands went like that. So it, it goes beyond. I think we we look so often, and we were talking about it before, where everyone gets frustrated. Let them play. Let them play. And they do a lot to change the rules in order to avoid those really hard crown of the helmet hits, things like that, the blindside hits, blindside blocks, all that. But there is an area of there's only so much you can help as far as changing the rules of the game to prevent this, right? Mm -hmm. Because he had a clean hit. It's fine. We saw in the Arkansas game with Alabama, the the ref got hit. His head bounced the same way. It just depends on your noggin. But for... I think the big issue is there is not as much accountability like you mentioned, because what happens is, yes, you can see a very clear neurological response physically in some of these cases, you know, it was to his hands. Other players have different reactions. There are steps within the protocol to try to understand if someone does have a concussion or not, because not, not all the time do people show a physical response. Sometimes they'll show, you know, a a mental kind of response when they can't answer questions and things like that. There is no one test that can truly prove that you have a concussion. You know, we can't, it's not like a broken bone where we can take you in, we can scan you and we say, yep, that's, you know, that's a, a a break right there. We'll fix that right up. It relies on several steps. And even then there are not always clear what needs to have, I think, some, some dealings is the fact that we are relying on professional players that know they need to go out there, feel like they need to go out there. They're these disciplined 
um, macho men that are taught their entire lives, just rub some dirt in it, suck it up, get out there. Everybody gets hurt in the instance of a quarterback. You look at the other guys on your team, you see that they're getting injuries all the time. They're playing hard. They're getting hit all the time and they're fine. And you as a quarterback think, well, I don't, I don't have that much physicality and at least the position I play as much as alignment or whoever. So surely I'm, I'm okay. I can't be a, a wimp about it and, and just ask to be taken off the field. You're asking a professional athlete or a college athlete who wants to get to the next level, who wants to be seen, who wants to be the hero, who wants the spotlight and doesn't want to let their team down to report to somebody that their head feels off, that something doesn't feel right. Because you look at these guys, they're the ones having to answer the questions. They're having to self-report their symptoms when you can't see them just outright because no bones popping out of their arm. And these guys, I feel like, in my opinion, don't have the platform in which they are encouraged to self-report something like this. Tua Tungvaloa said that it was a back pain issue. He may have been told to say that. He may have said that because he felt like he didn't want to let his team down which is ridiculous. And hopefully after this incident, if that's the case, and as he gets older, he'll understand that this one game, that that's not worth it. But after two seasons in the league where he was getting shuffled around, he was a backup. His team tried to make a play for Tom Brady, tried to get Deshaun Watson at one point. He felt like his job was in trouble. He's finally getting into a groove. There's a potential $50 million contract on the line. He doesn't want to lose that. He's going to go out there. So there has to be some sort of accountability where we're, we're helping these players feel like they have a platform in which they can say, my head doesn't feel okay. And we have to even guard them from themselves. I don't know how to guard them from themselves. It's certainly not more rule changes within the gameplay because I think we've done all we can do and still maintain the actual game. But there's got to be something once we see someone's head gets hit that we say, okay, we're not just going to rely on this 18 year old or this professional guy. And we're going to make sure that we're safeguarding you from yourself and from the business that surrounds both the NCAA and the NFL and protecting the actual physical humans and their brains. Because if we learned anything, uh, look at Aaron Hernandez. Swiss cheese for brains does not lead to good things. Um, and I hope that everyone takes a second and takes this really seriously because it is a really serious thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, more it's, you know, it's been shown that uh, the more concussions you have, the worse it gets every time. And the likelihood that, you know, one time you may not wake up from that concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's a consideration for a lot of players who have had multiple uh, concussions in their careers. Um, I know James Harrison who played for the Steelers used to play with this like military grade Kevlar in his helmet, uh, just so he wouldn't get another one. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, being a Steelers fan, I hear a lot of that stuff. And, uh, Ben Roethlisberger also, uh, one decision, uh, thing that, that factored into his decision to retire was the, uh, the multiple concussions he'd had over his career. And, you know, I want to actually, you know, be a dad to my kids one day and, you know, actually be able to interact with them. Um, so, uh, you know, we, these are people, you know, um, so it's, and in the uh, case of the NCAA, these are kids, right? These are, yeah. These are children. 
And I'd like to to point out one more thing before we move on, and uh, that's the fact that uh, Thursday night football. No player likes Thursday night football. They all hate it. Uh, because I don't understand why they play games on Thursday. It's an insane turnaround. Was it? Would you say it's like four days later? I mean, it you, was Sunday to Thursday. It's like three and a half. Right. Yeah. You, you, you've just you know been beaten up all day, and then you got to turn around in three and a half, four days, and play another one. Yeah. No. No player likes that. It's. And that's been a thing ever since they've created Thursday night. I just, for the best interest, I think they need to do away with it. I know the networks don't want to hear that. I know some fans don't want to hear that, but they need to just do away with it. It's, it's not good. Um, all right. Well, um, good opinion segment, very relevant, um, something that needs to be discussed. So um, let's uh, get a, a little bit of feedback from our listeners. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right. Well, um, we actually uh, had a good amount of listener feedback this week. Lots of uh, lots of good comments. I'm actually going to uh, kind of read through them here. And then any, any of that stand out, you guys just uh, chime in uh, afterwards, whatever, whichever one you want to pick. Um, <clears throat> so uh, Jake's Take podcast uh, responded to ours and their biggest takeaway uh, is that uh, Georgia is more mortal than we thought, which we talked about. Sheila says uh, she is shocked at the three and three quarter quarters that Missouri was whipping UGA. And I'm right there with you. Uh, Danny says uh, his biggest takeaway is the Gators look great against a lower tier team. Go Gators there. You know, it is what it is. Uh, Jody uh, is shocked at the way state handled the Aggies. And I cannot disagree with that. Um, KW uh, says uh, Ole Miss has a, a change dart and receivers are getting better every game. Heath is good. And they talked about him, Heath Malik, in the game, uh, how he transferred from state. Now, not a lot of players do that. Go to your in-state rival <laughs> to transfer. So, uh, you know, they said, why did you want to do that? Because they, you know you're going to get heckled, right? Um, and he said he just wanted to play for uh, Lane Kiffin. So, hey, can't argue with that, yeah. that logic. And then finally, and this is a bonus, and this is a fun one. We talked about this one. Uh, Casey Jacobs says he th thinks that Texas A&M is ranked too high, <laughs> to which I say unranked is too high. <laughs> I love that. Maybe he, meant, maybe he meant was. Maybe yeah, That could be. Maybe, and maybe, I'm, maybe I'm misreading that. No, but just I the, hope he means <laughs> is. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Did any of those stand out to you guys? Do you want to discuss? I Just the I, one I think, about Ole Miss. I think – we look at so many coaches and we see that their players don't progress while they're there. They don't get any better. There's no development, but I don't think you can say that about a Lane Kiffin team. I think the players that go and play for Lane Kiffin, especially if you look at a quarterback that nobody knew who, you know, last year, when you look at the progression from the years before this year, I think offensively his players, they do, they get better. And uh, that's just, him as a coach and, and how much his players like him and, and really buy into what he sells. It is fun to watch it's gonna be uh, a, a player who comes under his uh, tutelage for lack of a better word. I mean, just kind of rise as we saw Matt Corral do Matt, what do you, what do you got? It's going to, it's going to be swell when Lane takes over for Nick after he retires. Um, <laughs> Jesse's like, I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> is it good? Is that, it bad? That's, oh, no. that's, I just that, is, that, is a, <laughs> that is a distinct possibility. Um, 
I would like to go back to the original one that said that uh, Jake's take uh, podcast when he said Georgia's more moral than we thought. I'm going to disagree. Um, we've seen this Georgia team. I think they hit a hiccup. I think that's all this was. Um, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this Georgia team's just as stacked as last year's Georgia team. So I, I think that that struggle against Missouri was an aberration. I, I don't I don't foresee them struggling going forward. Well, man, I somebody I hope finds you're correct. Some juju somewhere. <laughs> Auburn would be the one to find it. I know, right? So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about No, they used – listen, no, 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 no. They used up all their uh, special powers when they had Missouri fumble it on the (laughs) one-yard line into the end zone for a touchback so they'd win that game. That was – they used up all they had left this year then. I mean, Coach Drinky owed uh, Harson a favor. I mean, he, you know, gave him his first, you know, job or, you know, higher job back in the day. Ah, Whatever. Anyway, all right, let's let's talk about some of those games coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. All right, so uh first is number eight, Tennessee at four and one and in the SEC at number five number twenty-five LSU, four and one, two and in the SEC noon on ESPN. Jesse, what is your prediction for Tennessee at LSU? I know what the rankings say. I know what happened with LSU this past week. I know. I see it. My gut is saying LSU. I don't know why. why? I don't I don't why? know. There's no reason for my madness. Um, but they are in Baton Rouge, which is tough to play, even even if it's not a night game. I'm I'm going LSU in a close one. I'm picking the Tigers 28 to 24, and I don't know why. Don't ask. All right. Uh <clears throat> Matt, they are wearing those smoky gray alternates. And you know, they say when you look which good, worries me. You feel good. And when you feel me. good, you no, play good. No. <laughs> no, that's fine. You can say that all you want. I don't want anything breaking from the routine. Okay. Makes me nervous. All right. Um I'm I'm picking UT in this one. Um smoky grays and all uh i'm gonna pretend that didn't happen the whole smoky gray decision i I just that that makes me worried it makes me very concerned um (laughs) tennessee right now according to vegas is is favored by two and a half um i'm gonna say tennessee's offense is gonna be a bit too potent for lsu to keep up and we are very lucky this game is at noon on a saturday in baton rouge because if this game was played at seven o'clock Mm, that's a different ball game. Um, but because it's an afternoon game, I'm going to take the balls 31-20. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like you said, Death Valley, LSU's got that going for them. But I think Tennessee has improved enough, and I think LSU's rebuilding enough that I think Tennessee has a slight edge in this one. However, um, if this had been a night game, I would have picked LSU, no question. Uh, but I'm going with Tennessee 31-28. to So, um, No question. Way our offenses look for the last couple of weeks, no faith. Well, None. yeah, just uh, weird stuff, you know. Um, all right, uh, next we have Arkansas at three and two, one and two in SEC at uh, number twenty-three, Mississippi State, four and one, one and one in the SEC. Uh, noon on SEC Network, uh, Jesse. What's your prediction for Arkansas at Mississippi State? Finally, the Razorbacks have to travel. I feel like every single game has been a fail. <laughs> Um, this one is in Starkville, which I think is advantageous for the Bulldogs. I am actually, after seeing their performance this past week, 
I'm going to pick Mississippi state 38 to 21. I think their offense is, is potent enough to put up some scores against the Razorbacks. And I just don't know that Sam Pittman's team gets it done. Okay. Matt. Yeah, I, um, I think Mississippi state's going to be coming off a big win against A&M. I think Arkansas is going to be looking to bounce back. I think Arkansas is going to win this ball game 24, 20. Okay. Yeah, I think um, obviously this is in Starkville, and I know Mississippi State's on a roll coming off a huge win. But I also think uh, Arkansas has been kind of backed into a corner here as well. Um, They're a dangerous team. Obviously, they're wanting to atone for those losses. Um, Yeah, I know the experts are actually picking Mississippi State by about a touchdown, but I'm going to go with Arkansas. I'm going to go Arkansas 31 to 24. Um, so, uh, let's move on to, uh, Missouri two and three, uh, Oh, and two in the sec at Florida three and two, uh, Oh, and two in the sec noon on ESPNU. Jesse, what have you got for this one? Don't know. Last week was weird. <laughs> I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable, but I'm going to pick the Gators. They're in Gainesville and last week had to be maybe a fluke. I don't know, but I'm going to pick the Gators 28 to 27. Cause I feel like they're closely matched. All right. Uh, Matt, what you got? Yeah, I think Missouri is probably going to be coming off of a little bit of a letdown after last week against UGA. Uh, I think they're going to fall to zero and three in sec play. Uh, I think drinky's time is coming to an end. Um, so I'm going to pick Florida in this one. I'm going to say Florida wins this one by two scores, 38, 24. All right. Yeah. I'm not really sure what to think about last weekend, especially like is Mizzou a potentially good team? Is that like a thing? Uh, Is Georgia just potentially that bad? Like all uncertain things being equal though. I think all of that isn't going to change my mind about this game. Uh, I'm going to go with Florida, which was kind of my gut to begin with on this. I'm going with them winning uh, 31 to 21 Florida. Um, all right, uh, Auburn at three and two, one and one uh, in the SEC at number two, Georgia, five and oh, two and oh in the SEC, uh, 330 on CBS. Um, Jesse, what is your prediction for the Deep South's oldest rivalry? You better be glad this rivalry is not being played on the plains. But UGA better be careful. This can be a trap game if you let it. I hope Mizzou woke them up because Kent State obviously did not. They better not play sloppy football. They better come in serious and take their opponents seriously, regardless of how they've seen them play on film. I'm picking the Bulldogs, but as I said, be careful in Athens. Bulldogs take it 38-17. You should have done the John Raffio. Careful. Anyway. Because that would be the worst. Anyway, um, Matt, what do you got? Listen, this is a UGA team that struggled last week. That was an aberration. They're going to right the ship this week. Um, this is an Auburn team that has looked abysmal, offensively speaking, uh, um, you know, at least for keeping up with other teams. Um, so I know that they had some numbers last week. Yeah, can't run the ball. Uh, that's all that really matters in the SEC. Um so, yeah, I'm going to say UGA wins this thing big, 38-10, and that last score for Auburn comes in garbage time. Yeah, like you like you said, Jesse, I'm really thankful this one is in Athens. <laughs> like, really thankful. Georgia's got to wake up. I mean, hopefully this, this uh, you know, like I said, Deep South's oldest rivalry is just the game to do that, I'm hoping. 
not really sure what the quarterback situation is looking like at Auburn. I mean, you know, Ashford uh, had a lot of the, a lot of yards in the last game. I assume we'll see more of him. Uh, there have been struggles, really, no matter who's under center there, really. Uh, but um, I think that uh, Georgia's got a major case of apathy, <laughs> and they got to be careful no matter what, uh, no matter what Auburn's looking like, really. So uh, they got to get that under control. I think, like you said, Matt, I think Kirby's going to do his best to kind of get that out of them. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I am going to go with Georgia a little bit less than what the spread is. I got uh, Georgia 31 to 13. Um, all right. Uh, number nine, Ole Miss, five and oh, one and oh in the SEC at Vanderbilt, three and two, one and or oh and one in the SEC, four o'clock on SEC Network. Jesse, your prediction for Ole Miss at Vandy. I hope Lane Kiffin has fun in Nashville. Ole Miss, 42 <laughs> to 10. Snooze. Matt. Yeah, I uh, I don't see Ole Miss struggling in this one at all. Part of me wanted to pick Vanderbilt just as a surprise and just to kind of see what would happen. But then my the, the more rational part of my brain kicked in. So, yeah, uh, Ole Miss rolls this one, 35-10. I hear you. Yeah, I think Ole Miss takes care of business here, 38-20. Uh, to 20. All right, next is uh, South Carolina, 3-2, and 0-2 oh in the SEC at number 13, Kentucky, 4-1, and 1-1 one, one and one in the SEC, 7-30 on SEC Network. Jesse, what do you got for South Carolina at Kentucky? Kentucky is hella embarrassed after this past weekend, and they are in Lexington, and they are not going to be kind to the Gamecocks. I am picking Kentucky 38-21. All right, Matt, what do you got? Yeah, I think this is going to be a bounce back for Kentucky as well. So I'm going to say Kentucky wants to think 28-20. All right, yeah. In fact, I think... I'm going to – hold on, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I'm going to change that to 34. So, hold on, I can't see my thing. You're in the way. Oh, Did oh. I say 28-20? Okay, uh, there we go. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually going to say 28-17. I, right. I don't think Carolina is going to have that much success uh, overall. All right. Um, yeah, I agree. I think Kentucky's going to bounce back in this one. Uh, I got 31, Kentucky winning 31 to 20. Um, all right, Texas A&M uh, at three and two, one and one in the SEC at number one, Alabama, five and oh, two and oh in the SEC. That is the eight o'clock slot on CBS. Uh, CBS only does this, what, once or twice a year? So, uh, you know, it's going to be a big one, or at least uh, they're hoping so. So, Jesse, what is your prediction for this one? I'm hoping it's a very lopsided big one. Um, I am very thankful that this is played at Bryant-Denny Stadium. I think it is going to be an electric atmosphere because we're still upset over last season, and I wish I could be there. But I am picking the Tad 38. You know what? Hold on a minute. I'm adjusting. Uh -oh. I shouldn't, I shouldn't I have put my out. score up there. I'm adjusting. <laughs> Give me a moment. I, um, my, uh, my other – my. Second number was different. All right, I'm going. Tad rolls 41-10. Okay. Matt, what you got? Y'all are giving way too much credit to AM right now. They have looked atrocious. Um, so uh, Bama's going to win this thing big, and they're going to win 49-14. Uh, you watch. This is going to be a bloodbath. So we didn't say necessarily when those points would be scored. I think uh, probably going to be a bloodbath for the most part, but then uh, a and might get a score, you know, maybe one or two at the end. Uh, I am going to go – so 
you know, this game had, like I said, had much, so much potential at the beginning of the season. Uh, now AM's lost twice and is unranked. Granted, anything can happen, but uh, I think they're, uh, there's not too much drop off. I think even if uh, Jalen Milrow gets to start, which I expect he probably will, I don't think they're going to try to bring Bryce in too early, uh, especially if they don't necessarily have to. So I got Bama winning this one 38 to 14. So. All right, that does it for our uh, upcoming games. So looking forward to uh, watching those this uh, this weekend. Uh, and now let's get into our Just for Fun segment, which is you know none other than just Mike Leach being himself. So let's listen to the second half of that interview uh, with Mike Leach. It's uh, regarding wedding advice. Coach, I know you have strong thoughts on weddings. Um, I'm in the middle of planning one right now. Do you have you any are, advice for me? Who yeah. are you marrying? His name is Trevor. Okay, yeah, well, I'll have to you set up a meeting and I'll talk to him. Um, okay, so uh, where's Trevor from? He's from Florida. What does Trevor do for a living? He works in sports as well, covers football. He does what? He covers football as well. Really? Well, I don't know. We'll keep a close eye on it, but whatever you and Trevor decide, I would kind of keep it on the down low, which you failed to do that. Trevor was probably planning to, but you didn't. Uh, so go ahead and uh, uh, don't don't say anything else about it. But as soon as the season's over, or even an off week, go elope. Trust me on that. Go elope, because uh, basically every female in the family is going to terrorize you guys until it's over. Once it's over, I mean they'll be upset for a few days, but it'll be over, and then you know you cruise away, uh, along. Have a happy marriage. Have a happy life. I'll pass along the message. Thanks, Coach. Congrats on the win. Trevor, unless he's crazy, is totally on my side. And trust me on this. If Trevor doesn't uh, have the sense to do that, tell him to call me because, I mean, he needs to do trust. I've told all my kids, I'll give you $10,000 extra if you elope. So far, they haven't done it, but I would, too. I'll have him call you for sure. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right. Thanks. Oh man, like I don't even know where to start. I know you have some strong opinions about weddings. Why do we know this? We don't know this about any other coach. Yeah. Oh, he has discussed weddings before. I think it was when he was with uh, Washington State. He did. uh, But that's the funny thing is like, we can't say that about any other coach. We can only say it about Mike Lee. Strong feelings. Oh man, I, I just love the whole just rambling through and. Uh, what is it? Oh, we'll have to schedule a meeting. <laughs> like he's like, he's all in on this. I'm going to schedule a meeting with Trevor. I love also when he's like, we're going to keep a close eye on it. Like, what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, I wish, I hope my biggest goal would be that whenever I get engaged, that Mike Leach would have a sit down with whoever <laughs> I'm supposed to marry. You know what would be the best is if um, Mike Leach was like uh, on the side, like a marriage counselor. Like, you know, you have to go through the counseling classes or whatever before you get married or whatever. And that would just be oh, epic. I, I would go, that's the only counseling for marriage I would want to go through. And I would take the 10K. Exactly, I, right? That's I, what I'm thinking. Honestly, here's my thing. And you guys can quote me on this. When I get engaged, I will be sending a letter to Mike Leach. And I am going to say, <laughs> here, Coach Leach. I heard you. I think it makes perfect sense. I haven't told anybody. We want to elope. Does the offer still stand? 
we will meet with you prior. You name the day, you name the time I will take off work. Right. Like your, your kids didn't take advantage of the offer. So can I, <laughs> I'm not joking. I will write a letter. I love it. I think that's great. But yeah, the man do is a national treasure and should be treated as such. I've been saying that for a decade. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Well, uh, that's a good note to end it on. So uh, appreciate you guys listening to uh, the show uh, or watching, depending on how you're how you're taking it in. Uh, email if you would like to contact us. Email us at pigskinsandpageantry at gmail We are at pigskinsandpageantry on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Twitter. We are at PPSCC Podcast. Don't forget we are available for download on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and most podcasting apps for iPhone, Android, and other operating systems. We are on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio now, so we are just trying to get on all the things. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment. We would love it if you would uh, subscribe and review. Five stars, we'd greatly appreciate that. Increase our visibility and uh, increase uh, how many people we're able to reach with the show, and we would greatly appreciate that. So, as I mentioned, more fun games upcoming. Lots of good SEC matchups to watch, so I'm looking forward to those. And this is Wes. Until next time. Go dogs. Oh, let's just beat down Jimbo Fisher. I just beat the hell out of those Aggies. Roll tide. Always with the Jimbo. Hey, guys, it's LSU week. Let's go get them, boys. Go balls. <laughs>